there, you have found another episode of Speakernomics, the podcast about becoming a better speaker and building a better business. I'm your host, Tom Singer. Today, we are going to talk to David Stolman from Campus Speak about the college market for speakers. Hey, David, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So David, what are two tips that you have for speakers to be really successful in the college market? First, I'd say it's either all about the students or don't bother. And second, important is not the same thing as relevant. Wow, this is going to be fun to talk about. So for those of you who don't know David, David owns an agency that represents speakers in the college market, and that is a vast market. And he co-founded this company 22 years ago, so he knows a lot about speaking to colleges. So, David, as president of Campus Speak, let's talk about your two tips. The first thing you said is, it's all about the students or don't bother. What do you mean by that? There are some speakers that are better than others about centering their experience around the audience, centering their business around the audience, centering all of their content around how it improves the audience in the college space, it's absolutely essential. But if you're not in it for the students, if you're not in it so that students leave the room better because they spent the time with you, don't bother coming into this space. If you're not the speaker who's going to work with students as a customer, as a contractor, and treat them with the utmost respect, you're not going to really do well in this, in this marketplace. So a lot of people think that, oh, I'm just being booked by the administrators so or the, the, you know, the campus staff. So all I have to do is, is think about them and you know, just whiz bang wow the kids. But in a lot of these cases, it's actually students who are booking the speakers, right? Absolutely. We've seen it increase over the last five to seven years, especially where there are fewer administrators that are actually, that are actually making the decision on their own. More and more, it's students making the decision. More and more, it's students reaching out to us. More and more, it's students that are actually even signing the contracts. And it's very often student-controlled money, that it's their budgets that are actually paying the bills. So doesn't that make it more complicated since, you know, it's not like working for a corporation where you might have the or, or working with a bureau where you might have the same person as a speaker you're dealing with for five years, 10 years. These people are in that office you know, that they're holding as a student, you know, leader for a year, which means that Less. next next year, somebody entirely different could be the person deciding on speakers. And it could be months that they're in that position. So there's a constant churn of customers. And although some of the staff that definitely serve as gatekeepers in many ways, that students will, will consult with staff and say, well, do you know this speaker? Or what do you think about this agency? And staff definitely serve in that capacity. Students also have agency to make their own choices and completely ignore staff. And that means also that they're the ones you're chasing down to get a contract signed or to make sure that they're filling out the paperwork for the state funding to go through because they control the budget, but it may be distributed by the university. So there's lots going on. So when you talk about, you know, it's all about the the, the students, let's get down to the nitty gritty of giving the speech. What do you mean when you say it's all about the students? The content has to relate to them. It has to relate to their experiences and it has to relate to their their wants, their needs. And sometimes theirs are not the same thing that an administrator may be bringing you in to tell the students something they need but don't want. 
And sometimes the students are asking you to do something that they want, but the university may not want and don't in general need. And so balancing those different agendas sometimes can can be challenging. It has to be about the development of students and it has to be in a the business model also has to be in a way that uplifts students always, always taking full knowledge of their agency and treating them as uh, as they should be treated. And there are some speakers out there that that don't have the the highest ethics when it comes to how they interact with students. And that's why some universities have uh, have stepped in as as more active gatekeepers. So let's talk about the, the use of agencies and agents in the world of booking in, in colleges. I think it's more prevalent than maybe it is in the corporate market that speakers are represented by a firm like Campus Speak or an individual agent. How come that is true? I think part of it is that there is a constant churn of customers. And so that, you know, the gatekeeper who may have been in a lower staff position two years ago now is managing two, three younger staff positions. And if they hear that name of the agency, maybe it gets through the gate more easily. But I also think on the other side, the marketing, you know, Campus Speak is as much a marketing firm as we are a management firm. And understanding the nuances of when and how buyers make decisions and how students in particular understand different topics is really, sometimes speakers need that translation. And so an agent can help with that. The other part is that students sometimes are wanting to buy at, you know, midnight (laughs) and they have an Amazon-esque type of view of a marketplace. And so an agent being able to take that call or feel that request when a speaker's busy doing all the other things they need to be doing. So, you know, this sort of translates a little bit into your second tip. So I want to jump into that and then we'll come back and unpack all of it together. And that is important is not the same thing as relevant. What's that mean? There are many topics that are important to the development of students outside the classroom. And you could talk about um, a a lot of them and make an impact on students and and have them leave the room better because they spent the time with you. But there are certain topics that are relevant to the way campuses operate, the programming that they traditionally do, and therefore the budgets that are set aside for different programming. And so, you know, leadership is a program that is is a topic that's that's always lots of programming on it. And so there's lots of different nuance for leadership. Financial literacy is one that is important, but not frequently programmed on. It doesn't mean that someone can't be successful building their business around it, but it does mean they have to do it differently than someone who speaks about leadership. And so I've interacted with many amazing speakers over the years that have important topics that make people better people, but campuses just aren't booking on that topic. And, you know, we have a history of, of helping speakers to figure out how to navigate that difference between relevant to campuses and their budgets and their priorities and important. So what are some topics that are both important and relevant right now in the college market? A good example of this whole is, is sexual violence prevention. Years and years ago, this was not a topic that campuses were willing to talk much about. There was one speaker out there, and this young woman was on the cover of Time magazine because she was actually calling universities out for the rape that was happening on their campuses. And we were proud to to be that first agency representing really a speaker on that topic. And that topic 
has grown and grown. And now a topic that used to be more relevant, like alcohol and other drugs, has faded. And a lot of the money that went toward programming for alcohol and other drugs, as was really important in the, the eight, late 80s into the 90s and early 2000s, has moved. Sexual violence prevention is a top topic. Um, diversity, equity, and inclusion is a top topic. Leadership is always important. And you'll see other theme topics. Mental health is starting to grow. Different subparts of you know diversity, you'll see, for example, is starting to grow, where social justice is starting to, I see itself growing as its own topic, yeah. where in, in the past it was sort of hidden under that diversity, equity, and inclusion, and now some of them are starting to emerge on their own. I also see that masculinity as an outgrowth of, of mental wellness and health is a program that I will see emerging over the next year or two as well. And leadership is always a topic and always, and always there and present. So what are some mistakes speakers make when they decide, I'm going to speak to colleges? There are many, many ways to go broke fast marketing. There are many opportunities and many ways to go broke in a buckshot mentality. Because I think some people say, well, I want to speak on colleges. And, you know, I see that as like saying, I want to speak in Cleveland. Because each college or university is uh, its own city. And they have many different departments and many things going on within each of those departments. So I think a big mistake is going buckshot and going after trying to eat the whole elephant. I think micro targeting, what is your specific you know, audience who, as you describe the ideal student sitting in the room with you, who is that? What do they do? What are they involved in? And what are the channels through which you would connect with them? Is it student organizations? Is it athletics? Is it resident life? Is it, you know, career services? Like there are so many different avenues and channels. So understanding that destination is, I think, the best way. And the big mistake is going buckshot and trying to eat the whole elephant. So is it smart if you're going to see if, you're, if your topic and your personality and, and what you speak on and how you present it, is it smart to take sort of maybe a local and regional approach to the college market first instead of trying to just say all colleges everywhere? There are different ways of doing it. I think local and regional can be a very cost-effective way, but I also think now it can be topic-related, especially now that Zoom is, there's proof of concept. Zoom programming works. And so you may be able to stay at home and micro-target and go after the whole nation within a very small targeted area, or as is maybe a bit old-fashioned, really building relationships with colleges and universities, community colleges are, are starting to grow as a market as well within that, that are close to home where the cost in terms of your time, talent, and treasure of getting uh, this business up and running are lower. So I've heard you say on numbers, numerous occasions, I've heard you remind speakers that the college market is a vertical in the speaking industry. It is not the JV team for speakers. It's not, well, I'm not full speaking to corporations, so I'll fill my calendar with some colleges. You want to go deeper on that for me? Yes, I, I, I have a strong reaction when I hear speakers even allude to or it's clear that it's the subtext of their thinking that college is jv and then therefore you know they will look at high school as even they're all very different markets and someone who may speak on an important topic and do well speaking to that topic to a corporate market and a corporate audience may 
bomb horribly with college students and vice versa. Um, so, you know, I think when I look at success in, in a college speaker, I see four things. One, that they have great content that makes students better. Two, that they deliver that great content to college students really well. Understanding how to make this important topic relevant to them. Three, that this is a business and not a hobby. There are many great hobbies that are wonderful. That they have to invest the time, talent, and treasure into making this a business. And then fourth, that it's not just important content, that it's relevant. All right. Well, we already talked about number four, about important and relevance, but I want to take a look at your other three tips and, and really just hit them a little bit, a little bit more. And that is, uh, you said, number one, that uh, that they have content for the college. What was number one? Repeat that. So I get it. Your, your language, not mine. They have content that makes college students better people. All right. So how do I know if my content makes college students better people? There are a couple ways. One, test it. <laughs> Talk to people that work in the college market and talk to them about what you do, how you do it, and your secret sauce, whether it's leadership or authenticity or, you know, inclusion. What is the topic that gets you up in the morning? Talk to people that work with college students and ask them, how would this be taken? How does this fit into the college experience? And then from there, Maybe you trade your services for collateral. You work out a deal. I wouldn't say go for free, but I would say maybe you minimize your fee to allow you to get the, the reps in working with college students. And, and you're going to bomb at one point or another, or at least a piece of it's going to bomb, but testing and building and trying. Well, and that falls into your second tip, which is being able to deliver it to college students. So what, is, what does that mean? Well, you know, if you're going to use examples about um, literally dialing a phone, you're going to find that college students don't know what you're talking about. So like if you say to college students something about like the Brady Bunch, that may not fall into their vernacular. It, it might not connect. So you have to have content that's relevant to their experience. And it doesn't mean, you, you know, that if you're old, you can't succeed. It does mean that you have to be relevant to their experience. But at the same time, I think if you're not someone who would dance on TikTok, don't do it just so you can get into the college market. You have to be authentic because college students smell bullshit faster than anyone. And you're never as smart as you were when you were in college. <laughs> you know everything. So you have to come with both an open mind and a way to make what you do relevant to them. So I love the fact that you mentioned that you don't have to be young and hip to speak on a college campus. So like a 55-year-old you know, guy like me, could do it if I had the right topic and the desire to do so, right? And you could do it well. So your third tip was, this is a business, not a hobby. Now, I think that is true for all speakers, whether they're speaking to associations, corporations, you know, the religious market, the high school market, the college market. But I tend to see a little bit more people looking at the college market as sort of a sideline or a hobby. Do you see the same thing? And I think it's a big mistake. Because things like cash flow will kill you when schools you work with have a, you know, a 30 or 60 day payment policy. And that's just the way that it goes. If you're waiting on a check from the state capital of Wisconsin because you worked out in Eau Claire, 
you know, you still have to pay your credit card bills. So that brings up a really interesting thing that I've seen a lot of my friends in the business who are corporate speakers who are used to getting their entire fee, maybe a deposit a year in advance or six months in advance when they book it and the entire fee two weeks before they get on the plane. I find them shocked and horrified and appalled that a college says, yeah, we pay you 60 or 90 days after your speech. If they process the paperwork on time. (laughs) Yeah. You know, look again, there are different markets for different people and understanding you are, you want to work in the state of Georgia for schools. You're going to get, you're going to have to get E-verified. You want to work at Marshall university, Huntington, West Virginia is a place you're going to have to actually register as a business entity with the city that I'm sorry you don't like the fact that Cal State San Marcos wants to know your auto insurance information before you can present on a Zoom program with them, but that is their state contract. And they have, as it is said, no shits to give whether you uh, want to fill out their paperwork or not. (laughs) So another big reason people use agencies in this space is because for the margins that you get, you sometimes get drowned in, in paperwork. And it's just a reality of doing business in this space. So if you're working with an agency, then the agency is the company of contract. So you don't have to fill out a contract with every single college. The agent has already taken care of that. Is that what you're saying? That's the way that we do it. I don't want to speak for others. I do want, you know, campus speak. That's our business model. And even though the the state of California might not always agree with us that they are paying our company for your services for this program. And you are a subcontractor of that agency. And that's the way that I would say we and is most agencies would do things. So what are the reasons somebody who's a speaker should not speak in the college market? If you're the type of speaker that shows up and expects um, everything to be perfect in your tech set and not willing to help, um, you might not be flexible enough for the college market. If you expect to be picked up in the air by, you know, in a, in a special minivan of your choosing from the airport, if you expect the green M&Ms, um, move on along. We, we, my company, we only work with speakers that are the kind that get there an hour early. And if chairs need setting up, you set the chairs up. It's either about the students or it's, it's not at all. We have a no diva policy. It's not about you. Um, and I think that's generally what students deserve and quite honestly, what universities expect. So early in my speaking career, I made all the mistakes that we've covered in this interview today, right? I kind of looked at the college market as, hey, I went to college. I, you know, I get along well with people who are younger. I should be able to just raise my hand and have everybody go, woo. Uh, And I found it a tough egg to crack. And it was actually someone on your staff who I had a long conversation with. And I came to the realization that the college market was not the place for me to invest my time and effort for several reasons. One was the level of what colleges paid was less than I was getting from corporations and associations, and I wanted to focus on a little bit higher fee. The second mm-hmm. reason was my topic, while super important to those seniors in their last semester, was not as important to the students who were coming along younger. And a lot of the programming, a lot of the money that's invested is around that freshman and sophomore year experience. And what I was teaching wasn't relevant you know, necessarily to them. And I kind of had an aha moment that I was not going to pursue that. Didn't mean I couldn't be great at it. Didn't mean I couldn't tweak up the topic to make it more relevant, you know, across the board, but it wasn't where I needed to be. 
That being said, every year I speak on two or three college campuses. Uh, usually mm-hmm. it's because a professor sees me speak at a corporate event and says, I need to have you come speak to my, my department. And he or she has control of some level of a budget. So wh- what do you say to somebody like me who it's not their market? What, what should I do to be better when I get invited in? Yeah, I think understanding the market itself always is good. So read more about what's going on in the college entire economy. Understand, you know, a little bit about, you know, what are the trends of, of micro credentialing and, you know, things that are happening just in the, in this entire massive industry, there are about 5,000 colleges with, you know, just about 20 million students attending them. You know, it's, it's a big deal. And so understanding some of the trends that are going on in the first place. And I think the biggest thing is walk with humility and, just because you went to college doesn't mean you understand this market. And just because you flew on an airplane doesn't mean you know how to fly a plane or build one. So, you know, walk in with humility and ask a lot of questions. What is, how does this fit into other priorities of your department? If it's on an academic side or if it's on the student affairs side, how does this fit into other programming? How else can I help you? What are some of your other goals? Ask a lot of questions to see how you fit in to their efforts of educating the whole student. And I think that can be very helpful for those speakers like you who have a few to make those repeat business, those customers happy and want to bring you back because you fit perfectly into that annual program they do. And it doesn't mean you have to build a whole business around it, but it's always good to get those happy repeat customers in any market. Absolutely. So, David, Campus Speak does something that's kind of unique. Every year you put on a course for people who want to learn that market. Uh, Doesn't mean that everyone who goes through the course gets represented by Campus Speak, but it's a great way for people to learn all the nuances. Why did you start doing that course? So our College Speakers Academy is actually more specifically for people who aren't going to be represented by us because I, I want more good people doing well. I want people doing well by doing good in the college space. And it's not a get rich quick type of environment but it is a place where you can have impact and because of that impact do well. And so we wanted more people in investing into this space ethically and succeeding. And so we, you know, some of the best compliments were I now know how to run my own business doing this within my space and my place. I also, another compliment was I now know that I spent a very small amount to save a whole lot more knowing that this was not my market (laughs) and save somebody thousands of dollars that they were about to invest in a lot of marketing and infrastructure by finding out that the college space wasn't for them. I think they're both wins. So what else do you teach in that academy that we haven't yet covered in this interview? Well, I I guess you'd have to attend it, but no, (laughs) No, I want, I want free information for all the listeners. In general, it's focused around the business. So understanding some of the power, you know, some of the, the nuances of the business how to get started. And it's really designed uh, to be a small cohort style. So there is tips on marketing. There's one-on-one with each of our staff members as well. And the participant ends with an action plan where we help them actually get started planning out what they want to do and how they want to do it. All right. As we wrap this up, people are listening. uh, They want to go into the college market, or maybe they already are. What's a way someone can make more money? Let's, let's talk Let's talk success. How can they grow that business? What can they do? The biggest cost is customer acquisition, right? For just about anything. 
So I think the best way to make more money is what I was saying with you. How do you make your customers not want to live without you? So the customer experience from start to finish, many of either the students, you're a low priority in their world. The administrators, if they're buying, they have far too many things to do with far too few hours. Make their life easy and they come back to you. Make the student experience valuable and they come back to you. And if you're able to add more value with other programs, consulting, additional services, that makes that customer relationship deeper and more profitable. And then you're chasing fewer customers to go into those few slots that you've allotted for your college speaking. And each one's more profitable. Well, David, thank you so much for being a guest here on Speakernomics. If someone wants to find out more about you or about Campus Speak, how do they do that? They can just email me. I think we'll put my email address in the speak in the notes for your podcast or Stolman at Campus Speak, one word, one S, dot com. <laughs> All right. Awesome. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. Please join us every single week for more thoughts, ideas, and actionable information on how to make more money as a professional speaker. And always remember the motto of this podcast. Speak, get paid, repeat. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.